Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into a very, very special edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, the 100th edition of the podcast with yours truly, Travis Wingfield as the host. And I hope you guys have enjoyed me bringing you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football as much as I have. And on today's show, the Valentine's Day, February the 14th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, we have a very special guest. Alfredo Artiega joins the podcast. And if you don't know who that is, he was a longtime South Florida media member, the producer of a show called The Sports Bang down in Miami, a multi-decade long season ticket holder. He has called some pretty random Dolphins acquisitions ahead of them actually happening. So you'll definitely want to catch this interview on this edition of the podcast. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating and review for your chance to possibly win some future Locked On Dolphins apparel. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfulNFL. You can follow the show at Locked On Fins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your written daily Dolphins content needs. There is tons of good stuff up there right now from both me and the entire crew at Locked On Dolphins. And of course, check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's not waste any more time getting this guest on today's episode. This guy, he knows some people inside the Dolphins building. He has a pretty good insider record on the Dolphins. He called the Mike Wallace signing three days in advance, the Indomitian Sioux signing in December before it happened, the Deion Jordan trade up to four hours before it happened, and the Kenny Stills trade the same afternoon that it happened. So let's go ahead and just bring him on for first down and for the entire episode here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins and joining the podcast now is a guy who, like Chris Coffin before him, he's a guy I've been interacting with on almost a daily basis for almost, I want to say, 10 years now. He is Alf Artiega. He is at Uptown Report on Twitter. Alf, how's your night going, man? Good, 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 except for that heat loss. Yeah, he's a he's a local down there in Miami. As you guys know, I am located in the Pacific Northwest, so uh, a lot of miles and about three hours separate us here. But we're going to do a podcast for you guys anyway here on Valentine's Day. And like I said on the earlier part of the episode, Alf, this is the 100th episode that I have hosted for the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, so I'm very honored to have you on for that. Oh, thank you for that. Of course. So let's just get right into things. I, I kind of mentioned your track record as an insider, and uh, I, I mean, just, you know, you told me on the, before the show a little bit about kind of where that comes from, but... You mentioned you just kind of know some things around the building in terms of the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he's he's got a good inside track record in terms of calling some of the stuff before it happens. I I remember I remember the Kenny Stills one very well. I remember that that same day I was kind of all over the computer that day. And I remember seeing that one, and then also the Indomitian Sioux one. You were all over that one too. You mentioned Mike Wallace and Dion Jordan too. So a very good record in terms of predicting things that are going to happen. So that's kind of why I wanted to have him come on the episode or on the podcast today and just talk about some things we can expect this offseason. And let's just go ahead and start with, I guess you know some possible free agents and some draft prospects. And let's start with the free agents first. Who are some guys that you maybe have heard of and linked to the Dolphins in terms of this upcoming free agent period? Well, this year they've been very, very hush-hush as far as like anything leaking out. And everything. I, I was told specifically last week that if you hear any rumors of anybody being linked to the Dolphins before today, that it was probably a lie or made up or brought out by an agent. 
because today was really the first day they really got together as far as the, the entire front office and the coaches to put together their free agency plan. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put too much stock in uh, if you see anything tomorrow. It could be an agent leaking something. Like, we'll know a lot more by the end of the week, but if you look back at past years and guys that they had an idea on, I have a pretty good idea that they're going to have to, they're going to sign a, a guard in free agency this year uh, because I was told specifically that they're not looking at one on their board in the first two rounds in the draft. So last year, they had a pretty good idea on Jahari Evans, and I don't know what happened there, but it didn't. You know, didn't bear any fruit. He went on to have a pretty good season with Green Bay. Although he is older, he has lost a step, he would be a nice little stopgap for one year. But as far as anybody else, I haven't heard absolutely anything as far as like a definite target for this year free agency. And it was the same thing with the, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but the Omame kid from Jacksonville, who they were really really hot and heavy on, it seemed like, and then he went back in Jacksonville there. So there was a couple names attached to the Dolphins, like you mentioned. And Alf, one of the things that I've always loved reading from you on the, on the message boards and all that stuff is kind of when you explain like the inner workings of how the team works. Cause I, I, I cannot get enough of that inside access stuff. So you mentioned the Dolphins met today and, and kind of put together a free agency board. What does the next couple of weeks look like for the staff and for the guys in charge of personnel and all that, all that stuff that goes into the what this process is for them, which is just a, a, a madhouse of 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks for them. Well, it's basically going to be coaches uh, telling, you know, the scouts and really the grunts, the ones that really make the team run, which are the guys that cut film, the guys that put together the, the highlight packages for the coaches to see, or the specific packages that the coaches ask for. Like it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's pretty common that a coach most notably Adam Gase, will ask somebody in the front office to cut up every single play that a certain guard has run in the last three years on maybe, let's say, on lead or on a counter or in zone. You understand what I'm saying? So right now there's basically going to be a lot of a lot of legwork, a lot of film study, you know, basically getting all the information together for the coaches to finally make their decision. And then ultimately, it'll go up to Greer and Tannenbaum, and Gaze will have his input as far as who they target and who they want. Well, hey, Alf, maybe you can put a word in for me because that job of putting up or cutting up film for Adam Gaze is exactly what I would love to do with my life. So, hey, <laughs> put a word in for me there on that. But let's talk a little bit about the draft now because I know these guys are going to be busy with – I mean, so first before I get into that question, are there two factions in terms of scouts? Obviously, you have your self-scouts and your pro-scouts and your college scouts, but do they, is there any marriage there between the two in terms of how they work together or are they entirely separate entities? They're, they're completely separate entities. You have the, the, the college scouts and you have the pro personnel side of the building. The pro personnel side of the building is really in-house. And until today, what they were mostly doing was scouting all the playoff games, breaking them down, and I'm pretty sure cutting up the Super Bowl to, so they can give to the coaches and the coaches could do with that you know, what they wish. So I'm pretty sure that now is when they're, they're in full swing and the college, the college scouts are, it's, it's basically 365 days a year Yeah, because they go on the, they go on the road starting the first week of October. 
and then it's just football all the time for them, and they don't even get yeah. a chance to really see the Dolphins that much because they're you know they're obviously on the road with the college teams. So speaking of the right. college they, teams, they, they only get they only really get the, the month of April off, which is the month of the draft. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only month that they really get off. That's funny how that works. And speaking of the draft in April, so I don't know if you have this yet, Alf. You can tell me if you don't. But who are some of the guys on that shortlist? You mentioned the guard is not going to be in play, and that's going to make a lot of people that I've seen on Twitter upset that love Quentin Nelson, whether he's going to be there or not. But you mentioned not going to be a guard in that first round who are some guys that you've heard about and some positions they might attack in that at that first pick in the draft well if you see the, if you if you've seen the list that i that i provided of guys that they visited and guys that they had the maximum amount, amount of visits with uh you have guys like davin bellamy is an edge rusher from georgia you have uh josh sweat defensive end from fsu now he's more of a second third round type of guy and bellamy is also a second round type of guy but we've also, I've also seen that they've spoken to Sony Michelle three times, and Christopher Herndon three times. So Christopher Herndon could be a trade down candidate, or if not, they can stay put in the second round. He did have an injury, but Sony Michelle would be a guy that can creep into that first round, and it could be a guy that they could trade down and actually target. And he is Alf Artiega at Uptown report on Twitter and we're going to get into some more stuff here talking about the Miami Dolphins and kind of the inner workings of the front office and the structure of the front office and all that stuff in the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And back in the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL, Alf, Alf Artiega at Uptown Report on Twitter. Alf, let's talk a little bit more about kind of the way the front office works and the structure of this front office. And I know that Maybe I don't really know as much about other teams like do the Dolphins, but you have obviously you have Mike Tannenbaum who kind of does the, the contracts and the free agents and that kind of stuff, or at least that's my understanding of it. And Chris Greer kind of runs the draft, or he's you know he comes from a scouting background. So is that is that how you would see the or is that how you would say the structure is, and and where does Adam Gaze kind of fit into that as well? I see the structure a little differently. I see Tannenbaum as a as a liaison to the owner. He's the owner's eyes. So if Stephen Ross wants to convey something to the coaches and to Greer. It's going to go through Tannenbaum. He will have some input, but he is not like the ultimate decision maker that people make him out to be. Okay. The, the guy who really runs the draft is Chris Greer. Now, Adam Gaze will have input, and he does have input on pro personnel and on the draft. But Chris Greer, it's really Chris Greer's show. And Tannenbaum will step in, as he has before. But it's the way the, the front office is set up, Chris Greer really runs the draft. As far as free agency, it's really a collaborative effort, especially from the pro personnel side. And that's something you always hear about. It's always, you know, people want, people want to place blame on the guy that they don't like and they want to give credit to the guy they do like. So, you know, I've always thought pretty highly of Chris Greer. He was he drew the uh, the uh, admiration of the guys on the, on the uh, Move the Sticks podcast with their background in the scouting community as well. So I really like hearing that. And he's had some good drafts, I think, in my opinion, the last couple of years. So I'm excited about him. But, you know, a lot of people wanted to see Mike Tannenbaum let go this offseason. That's something that sounds like is not even going to be close to happening. Am I right? Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, okay, I figured so. I, th- I thought the way and if he is fired, and if he is fired at the end of the season, it'll be because we went six and ten, and they need something cosmetic for the fans. <laughs> but it won't be because of merit. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. I understand that completely. So let's kind of move on to the 
Adam Gaze's portion of the team here and talk about the coaching structure and the coaching changes. So, I mean, they've obviously put a lot of time and effort into thinking that this is what they have to do in order to get this team back on track, back to the 10 wins, back to the playoffs again, and hopefully a playoff win for the first time since I can remember. So they've made the changes, you know, Chris Kosarek on the defensive line, Tony Ode in the secondary, Eric Stettisville, the running backs coach and the the running game coordinator. How significant are all these changes and and are they going to make a big enough difference to get these guys playing better? Well, obviously, it's you know it's it's a bloodletting, really. Uh, uh, you change that many positions, you know, in the in the coaching staff. You obviously felt that that they were underperforming. Now you can look at certain units and see how much they spent on them, especially in the defensive line. Now it is interesting that, in my opinion, you know, I don't have no direct inf- information about this, but put two plus two, and it's obviously in Dominican Sue hired and fired the defensive defensive line coach, okay? So it makes perfect sense that they would go somewhere else with that because look at the money we've spent on that defensive line and, you know, what were we, 26 in sacks this year? Yeah, not very good. 22nd in pressures? You know, like that's the, – the both of those I, I would have expected at least to be in the top 10. It should have been a strength on the team, and it actually was a weakness if you think about it. It was, yeah, and it, it, they actually spent over $40 million this year on the defensive line, too, which I want to say is top five in the NFL, so definitely not good production for the price that you're paying there either. And uh, no. let's move on to the, the most divisive topic amongst all Dolphins fans. I'm sure you know where this is going. Ryan Tannehill. We've all heard that Adam Gaze loves him, or he at least he says as much in his press conferences and anytime he speaks to the media. Is that true? Is it lip service? And are there people in the building who vehemently do not like him and – Actually, I'm going to go ahead and leave it at that. So does Adam Gaze really love him as much as he says he does? And are there people in the building that feel the opposite way? I think I think that Adam Gaze feels that he can ask himself two questions. Can we win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill? And I think that Adam Gaze thinks that he can. I think, he, I think that he thinks he's good enough. Now, does it mean we found the quarterback for the next 15 years? He's going to be a legend here. He's going to have a he's going to have a, a statue out front of the Hard Rock. Uh, no, like I think it's pretty obvious uh, by some of the things that have happened recently that he's looking elsewhere. That if if for any reason he do, Ryan Tannehill does not come back at what he expects him to be at 100 percent and performs, that yeah, they might be looking elsewhere and. I suspect that they will draft a quarterback in this draft, maybe not at number 11, unless, you know, Baker Mayfield shows up there at 11. Uh, we believe all the rumors that that Gase really likes him. But they will draft a young guy, and now they will not go after a Kirk Cousins. I'm pretty certain of that. But I think they will give Ryan Tannehill his due. They will give him his shot this year. If he performs, he's here for a while. You know, he's going to be cheap. All you got to do is just go on sport track, look at what quarterbacks are getting paid. We're going to be getting maybe a top 15 quarterback for like top 18, top 20 money. You know, that's value. And we don't have much of that on the roster, if you've noticed. <laughs> no, we don't. And that's exactly where he falls, too, once you consider the fact that Kirk Cousins will sign a bigger deal. And obviously Jimmy Garoppolo leapfrogging him, too, in terms of annual salary. So who is that quarterback, Alf? Is it Baker Mayfield that they'd love, that if he was there at 11, they would absolutely take him? Well, that's the rumor. That's what that's what a lot of a lot of the the, the beat guys are talking about. That Adam Gase really likes him. Uh, if you if you kind of analyze it and see the kind of quarterbacks that Gase would like, I think Josh Rosen is his best fit. 
Now, is there any chance he makes it to 11? I think it's, the chances are nil. I don't think there's any possibility whatsoever. Now, Josh Allen, that's a possibility. He could drop to 11. Those are the guys that, that kind of fit the bill as far as what Adam Gase has always liked. But is Baker Mayfield, you know, the guy at 11 if he's there? If they take him, then I guess all those rumors were, were true and all the beat guys, you know, kudos to them. They actually broke something for once. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to stay away from that one, but that's that's really good. Uh, I, yeah, I just you talk about kind of the prototypical Gase quarterback, and you, you do get the sense that it is. Like and I a, like him a lot, by the way. I like I like Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it's, and so do I. And I, I like to you know put a lot of time into, the, time into the quarterbacks. I like him a lot. I think there are deficiencies in this game. I think one of the, the flaws that the fans have is they think that you put in Baker Mayfield, and it's just like the same thing that Oklahoma had from day one. And you got to realize mm-hmm. that rookie quarterbacks, that's not going to happen. I mean, it, it happens very, very rarely. And even the best rookie no, quarterbacks. He'll flash like uh, we could play game one. I don't know who we're playing in, in game one, but game one he could throw three picks. And then in game two, he could complete twenty five out of thirty five for three hundred eighty yards and four touchdowns. And we're like, oh my god, we have the the next big thing. Then game three, we're back to you know terrible play again. So. Yeah, rookie quarterbacks are very, very uneven. So. And, and that's that's kind of what Ryan Tannehill was in the first couple of years in his career. You know, the big game, the big throw, the big moments, and then kind of disappearing back into into a mediocre quarterback. And then that's kind of what the, the part that sucks to me is that 2016, he had that, that run that was just so impressive. He was on schedule. He was accurate. He made plays outside of the pocket off script. And then, of course, the knee injury happens, and you, it's just like – it seems like that was all forgotten. So it just, it bums me out. And I, as you know, I'm a big Tannehill fan and a supporter of his. So it really bums me out, but let's shift gears here a little bit, Alf, and, and let's go towards something different. And you were a season ticket holder for how many years or, or you still are? Since 1994. Since 1994. So he was there back. So you were you there for the opening day, 94 with Marino versus Bledsoe? I was at that game. Oh my goodness. That's an amazing one. I have that on DVD somewhere. It's a, that's a fantastic game, but you just tell stories on, I think it was either Finn Heaven or the Finns talking about, some stories of you smack talking some of the former or the opposing players, and your your best one was the LeBron McLean story. If, if for my money, the tw- the two thousand eight playoff game. Give me a, a, your best player interaction story that you have uh, for the opposition. It was probably that LeBron McLean story because it was just so funny because he was so playful. Yeah. Now some guys some guys just weren't playful at all. Like Rod Woodson flipped me off and and <laughs> told me a, a bunch of horrible things. Uh, uh, let me see, Brian Dawkins. Now, Brian Dawkins, I did get a little bit personal with him, but he tried to get me thrown out of the stadium. Uh, you know, but I knew some of the security guards, so I wasn't going nowhere. <laughs> but yeah, LeBron McLean, that was pretty funny in 2008. Yeah. Do you, you want me to retell the story pretty yeah, quick? Please here? do. Please do. Okay. It, it was, it's right before the playoff game. And for whatever reason, the, the linebackers are in the, in the end zone. And usually the opposing team's linebackers are somewhere on the sideline away from where I was in Section 126. But for whatever reason, this time, the linebackers were there. And Lamar McClain comes up. He's the running back, but he comes up. And he's hanging out right next to the linebackers doing nothing, just standing there. So usually I try to, I, I try to pick up some conversation with a player. And he's just so obvious. You know, he's standing there in the, in the, in the end zone and... He had a good year that year. I think he ran for over 900 yards. I don't know how many touchdowns, but I think it was double digits. And if you remember Laurent McLean, he's he was just fat. He was a fat guy. <laughs> so I, it's what I noticed, and I'm just going to start in on him. So I just start telling him that you know he should be ashamed of himself being so fat and running the football in the NFL. 
that how is it possible that Jerome Bettis should have been the last fat running back in the NFL? And he starts a banter back with me, telling me that, that he's not really a running back, that he's a fullback, and fullbacks are allowed to be fat. So I start trying to bribe him for, for like, it, this went on for like about 15 minutes. <laughs> and he's acknowledging everything I tell him. Everything I tell him, he's acknowledging. Like, like he's like, yeah, I'm fat. Yeah, I know I'm fat. <laughs> you know, but I run the ball good. And that's why I'm here. And... You know, I get to the point where I'm okay. I'm gonna start bribing him with food. So I'm offering him ice cream. I'm offering him. I, for, I forget what I offered him, but I, I remember I was offering him bribes as far as food. And he very slightly, right before he breaks up to to go with his unit, passes right by my seat and says, "I can't have any ice cream. It'll make me fat." <laughs> that was the punchline. I remember that. Yeah, I was just kind of forgetting it there, but that's that's so good, man. And then also, you mentioned a Zach Thomas story once upon a time. Uh, I believe it involved him tripping down and going into the ocean. Yes. Can you tell me that one? <laughs> oh, that was a great story. It was him, Larry Izzo, and uh, it was an agent. I know that it was a, it was an agent for another player, okay? And they were at this bar. I forget the name of the bar, but it's right on South Beach. And if you've ever been to South Beach, there's a street, and then there's sand, then there's the ocean. And on this side of the street, there's a bunch of bars, a bunch of restaurants, okay? Now, Zach is a drinker. Like, Zach could put him down. Back in the day, I don't know if he still drinks, but back in the day, he could throw down, you know, 20 beers in the city. So he makes a bet with Izzo that if he gets timed, he can, in two minutes, run out of the restaurant, cross the street, jump over this, this little... Because uh, what separates the street from the, the beach in South Beach is like a little mural. It's like about a little three-foot concrete mural. Jump over that, sprint down to the water, jump in the water, swim to the buoy, come back inside of two minutes. And he makes that bet after I don't know how many beers. And he damn near did it. <laughs> I think he did it in something close to two minutes. And everybody was just in, in, in shock of how, what a great athlete Zach is. But yeah, he, he was, he was capable of that. Yeah. He's also, he, he's also a legendary basketball player. Is he? If you've ever heard. Yes. Just the guy that you'd never would expect he'd be good at certain things. And he, he seems to do it all the time. So that's pretty cool to hear. Thanks for that story, Alf. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Can we get you back on sometime in April for the draft chat? Absolutely. So we're planning on doing with you, and uh, hopefully hopefully Simon and, and Chris can join you. Um, I think we have Simon in so far. I'm still waiting to hear back from Chris. As you know, he is one to kind of to get to get back to you slowly. But we're going to try to do that for you guys, get a mega draft episode in, probably probably cover an entire week, really. We'll do three episodes uh, all in one sitting and just kind of space those out. So talking about the draft, and once again, Alf, he is at Uptown Report on Twitter. Give him a follow for lots of good Dolphins insight. Thanks again for coming on the show, bud. Thank you. Again, Alf Artiega at Uptown Report on Twitter, a big-time guest for me here, and he has a lot of good connections in the building. So we'll finish the episode up here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast in just one second. We'll talk about some upcoming shows later in the week. This is the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. I'm starting to realize that I haven't done a show by myself in a couple of weeks. It's been at least at least a week and a half now that I have done a show all on my own. And like I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, I was going to do one on Sunday, but I came home and passed out from my long weekend trip up in Seattle. So I'm 
I'm looking forward to doing my own podcast just because I can kind of empty my thoughts. I haven't done that really much lately in the podcast. I do it on Twitter here and there, at Wingfield NFL, as you guys are one to know. But I'll do a, a, a good comprehensive emptying of the noggin, so to speak, episode for tomorrow's podcast. And then we're going to do a bonus show on Friday. And what I'm going to do for that one is a quick 15-minute show or so where I just do a live fan speak mock draft on the air and talk out each pick with available players on the board. I think what I'll do is... If there's a player, like if Marcus Davenport falls to the second round, I'm not going to pick him. I'm going to I'm gonna pass over that and just kind of work around fan speaks, you know, flaws in their system and their algorithm. Because that, that thing tends to have a lot of really good players fall deep in the draft. So I'll just kind of use their model for a mock draft to give me available players and talk through each pick and just give you guys a little bonus episode on Friday of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And that's actually going to do it for tonight's edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. We will go over those reviews on tomorrow's episode. I promise I will do that. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. You can follow me on Twitter, as you guys know by now, at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the show at Locked On Fins and at Locked On NFL on Twitter, as well as their Facebook page. Lastly, but not least, check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the Bobby McCain film study coming up here very shortly. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. in time.